Today is the third day of our seven-day session, 1st of November 2022. And we're going to take up another chapter from Subtle Sound, the Zen Teachings of Maureen Stewart, edited by Roko Sherry Chayat. This, uh, this chapter is called The Taste of Zen. Spiritual transformation is a rather grand-sounding phrase, but that is what we are engaged in, and hard work it is. There is pain and weariness, and there are many doubts and questions. I think this is a good, a good uh, topic for day three, uh, when we can be experiencing quite a lot of pain and tiredness, um, and the, the concentration is not yet kicked in. Uh, it, can be, it can be a day of struggle at times. It is, at times, hard work. think here of um, this uh, saying of an old master, the taste of Zen is pain in the knees. She says, there are many doubts and questions. She talks about doubt in our other text, Meetings with Remarkable Women. This is, um, she's being interviewed by the, the um, writer of this book, Lenore Friedman. And she, she, this is Lenore Friedman starting off here. She says, I found myself wanting to ask her about a deep level of doubt that sometimes arises in me. What if this is all a sham and delusion? What if it's all empty form? Or worse, what if I'm doing it that way? What if I'm fooling myself and everyone else? What if it's all going to fall apart, dissolve? And now, knowing the answer to that, can I act from that place? And this is Maureen's response. You remember that the Buddha said, don't take my word for this. Put no head above your own. Have your own experience. Think about what he went through. You know about all the doubts, all the delusions that came in to him and flew around in his head just as with you and me, everyone no one is excluded from this and shouldn't be it's a part of the human condition to doubt that's that's part of what makes us human is is we have this this, um, self-awareness that that 
um, prompts us to question things. She continues, It's an important part of our experience. If you did not question, did not go down to the bottom and say, Is this truly so? It would be very superficial, very superficial. We must say, What is this? What is this? And say it with absolutely every pore of our being. What is this? This is the great doubt we talk about. It has to be answered with your whole being, not just your intellect. And the more deeply you feel the doubt, according to some ancient texts, the greater the enlightenment. The more you plumb the depths of this, the more you know. One one balances the other, and to be honest is essential. To say, am I really doing this to the depth of my being, or am I just sitting here? This is a, a good question to ask ourselves and um, be honest about. Are we really doing this with our whole being or are we marking time? Waiting for lunch. There's, um, There's a Zen teaching which most of you may have um, heard about before, but for, for the sake of, of newcomers, let me just mention it. There are said to be uh, three essential ingredients um, in Zen practice um, great faith or confidence uh, in, in our inherent Buddha nature and in our potential to awaken, in other words, but also great doubt or perplexity, wonder. If, if this is the case, if we are inherently um, awakened, why don't I act that way? Why don't other people act that way? So there, this gap opens up between our faith and our doubt. You could call it a kind of creative tension, actually, because it is very creative. It's, it, it gives birth, this tension gives birth to our great determination. It grows out of this tension, out of determination to close the gap, to, to know for ourselves in our bodies what the truth is. So the faith and the doubt uh, really are, are all of a piece and um, they give birth to this um, determination which is what powers Sashin. Everybody here is determined to uh, open up, open their minds, see the nature of things. We'll continue with the dialogue between um, Maureen and Lenore Friedman. She asks, um, this is in response to 
Um, Maureen saying it's a matter of um, questioning what are we really doing or are we just sitting here. She says, the law says, how can I do that without a teacher by myself? Maureen replies, moo after moo after moo after moo with your whole being. This is not a technique, it is a way of life. Lenore, don't I have to test that? Ask, am I plumbing this? Is my moo dot dot? No. Don't ask that. Don't ask, do it. Do and see what happens. And when doubt comes up about my capacity, it has nothing to do with your capacity, nothing at all. Your capacity is your capacity, and you use this capacity in all kinds of relative situations in your life. But this practice has to do with absolute reality, not relative reality. So it has nothing to do with whether you are good, bad, or indifferent. In this respect, it has to do with plumbing the depths of this reality, Mu reality, God reality, Buddha nature reality. And that's in everybody, no matter what you can do physically, mentally, whatever it is. Your spiritual reality is something else. It's in everybody, pure and unadorned. And we hang a lot of stuff on it. So, what is this? What is this? Why have I clouded it up so much? How do I uncloud it? By being absolutely honest as you are doing and saying, let me strip down to my bare bones and see what's there. There is something wonderful there when you strip down to bare bones. So I think this is very um, encouraging to hear that it's nothing to do with our capacity. So many of us come with with uh, strong negative judgments of our capacity or our worthiness. We we think we're no good. We we call ourselves stupid or um, worthless, and and we. We doubt ourselves and our abilities to to do this work, but it's nothing to do with our capacity. It's it's just not in the picture. It's it's not applicable. Maureen then goes on to relate um, about one of her students. One young woman came to me with this dream. She said, I dreamt that you gave me a beautiful pair of shoes and a photograph album. The album had pictures of me and all of them, in all of them I was naked. Wonderful. Just shoes and naked. I wonder if these shoes were the practice, in a sense, how to walk, how to meet the world. But at the same time to meet it um, without any of our usual uh, defences or, or um, ways of, of concealing ourselves. She says, So it really is to not be afraid of our weaknesses, our delusions, 
our illusions, whatever they are. We all have them. So to have this ultimate bottom realization that there is something else there, I think in some curious way I always had that feeling without making any big bones about it. Whatever is going on around me, if it was extremely difficult or painful or tumultuous, and there was a lot of that in my life, I always felt that there was some quiet inner place where everything was all right. Just get there, just sit down and take a deep breath. And a little bit later, in the same conversation, she talks about working with Mu. Another little introduction from Lenore Friedman. When instructing new people in Zazen, Maureen stresses a feeling of firmness, of feeling rooted to the ground. This is a practice on this earth, not out in space somewhere. You're right here on this wonderful planet. Your knees are solidly planted on the ground. From there you grow. Your spine like the stem of a flower, your head like a blossom on top of it and everything in wonderful, clear alignment. Then you regulate your breath. Let it fill you up. Let it slowly out. Then let your breath breathe you. Then let your posture do its expression of this. And that changes from day to day, minute to minute, and it should. If we remain some static form, that's not what it's about. Um, she talks about regulating your breath. Um, we just usually instruct that maybe the first two or three breaths when you sit down, you can um, make sure they're long and slow. But, but after that, it's just letting your breath breathe you. In other words, breathing however it comes, not, not trying to control the breath in any way. And it's hard to emphasize enough the importance of posture in in allowing us to do this to sit with um, with stability with the, the three points of contact with them with the mat or the floor or two with the floor and the seat to have uh, a straight spine that uh, helps with alertness and an open chest so that one is receptive, a soft posture that's not um, uh, very tense in one or other area, but again, um, receptive and open. Lenore goes on to ask some questions, some questions about Mu. Lenore, do you keep the koan in your mind? Maureen, the koan is filling up your whole body. Lenore, and the original question, does a dog have the Buddha nature? Maureen, that has nothing to do with it. In each koan there are important words, Mu and Buddha nature. 
That's what Mu is, Buddha nature. So you are becoming filled up, completely becoming Mu. You are it, but you are coming to realize it, not thinking what is Mu, what is Mu. No. Got it? Lenore, well, as much as I got it, I got it. That's, this is the, the kind of the paradox of working with cars. <laughs> we, don't, we haven't got it, and yet we've got it. Back to the subtle sound. Just reread this passage a little bit. There is pain and weariness. There are many doubts and questions. But this is a practice of body and mind coming together. It's not just sitting and thinking, but being dynamically aware, sensing with our entire bodies. We let the breath go into all the places in us that hurt, not just the physical wounds, but all the wounds of our life. The breath enters tenderly, warmly, healingly. Our zazen posture is a posture of healing. It is open and alert. The healing breath moves freely, freely through us. Important reminders here. The breath enters tenderly, warmly, healingly. Uh, we can, in our um, grasping at something, we can um, tense up in different parts of the body. And uh, this will just result in, in our not being able to sustain the practice. So to um, soften always, to... Um, dance with Umu or whatever our practice is rather than trying to sort of um, wrestle with it which can be our habit the, the word meditation comes from the Latin meditare which is the passive form of the verb meaning being moved to the centre it is not the active form which is moving to the centre we are being moved to the center. The center is our own essence, sitting after sitting, letting go, letting everything go. We become more aware of our own personal center. We become more rooted in it. This simple act of sitting absolutely still, letting everything drop off, has far-reaching effects. I think here of, of um, something that mathematician uh, Nicholas of Cusa said, um, God is a circle whose centre is everywhere where, and circumference is nowhere. God is a circle whose centre is everywhere and circumference is nowhere. We are, we are each of us at the very centre of our universe.
this this statement, this sort of say mystical statement, uh, has been followed um, in recent years by uh, strikingly similar um, discoveries in uh, cosmology. This I'm reading again from um, Journey of the Universe by Thomas Swim and Mary Evelyn Tucker. A surprising development in the second half of the 20th century has led to an entirely new understanding of center, the word center. This understanding goes against common sense and is a challenge to absorb fully. For what we have come to realize is that there is not one center, but millions. Each supercluster of galaxies is at the very center of the expansion of the universe. We live in a multi-centered universe and are only now awakening to this new discovery. For instance, our Milky Way galaxy is one of a several dozen galaxies revolving around each other. This system as a whole is moving around the Virgo cluster of galaxies. There are also other groups revolving about the Virgo cluster and this entire system is called the Virgo supercluster. We can picture this as something like planets swirling around a central star where the planets are uh, individual galaxy clusters and the central star is the massive Virgo cluster. What we have learned is that this Virgo supercluster is at the very center of the cosmic expansion. What is striking and counterintuitive is that the other superclusters throughout the universal are also at the center of the cosmic expansion. To visualize this, picture the universe as a loaf of raisin red rising, where each raisin is a supercluster of galaxies. As the loaf grows larger and we imagine ourselves on one of the raisins, we would see all the other raisins moving away from us. We would also conclude that we are not moving because we would not be moving through the bread. It would not matter which raisin we chose. Such is the nature of the large-scale universe. In terms of the expansion, each supercluster is stationary, while all the other superclusters are expanding away from it. This staggering new perspective is causing a massive shift in our understanding of how we imagine our own place, our own home. We realize that we dwell in one center in a universe that is composed of millions of such centers. While this is difficult to comprehend, we are learning, nonetheless, to orient ourselves with wonder and awe in the midst of these immensities. I think of um, what we're told the Buddha said on his birth in Lumbini Gardens, above the heavens, below the heavens, I am the only one. Each of us is actually the only one. Each of us is at the center of the universe. But so is every other being, every other galaxy.
back to subtle sound and sitting still. Sitting still is not what some of us may have imagined spiritual practice to be. We may think that it involves something more impressive, but those of us who do it, those of us who are present at this moment, know that this is it. Sitting absolutely still, body and mind are not separate. Our state of mind at any given moment becomes clearer in this condition of being present completely present and it is great and and there is great healing power in this off the mat too um, to be completely present Um, sometimes people are not sure what that means but it's perhaps easier to understand by what it isn't so often when we're we're doing something we are already thinking about where we we need to be next or what we're going to do after or where we're going to go but just to be completely present with the moment we're in so putting on our robe we're just putting on our robe we're not thinking about how we should be in the zendo right now or eating something we're just eating we're not thinking about some other meal which was better or worse, different. Of course, we have pain. The true taste of Zen really cannot be understood unless we have some pain. So we do not resist that pain. We invite it in and we find that it's not so bad. We don't move against it. We don't struggle with it. Rather, we simply breathe into it and discover what it can do to change our condition. We see what happens when we pay attention to it. We learn that the simple act of attention is in itself transformative. Things shift when we attend to them. I often ask students, why did you come to sit? What is your reason? Do you have a reason? We could say, "What, what is our deepest longing? And, and we ask this question because it, our motives shape our experience. And to be, be clear about what our motives are can, can help us get through the difficult times in our practice, times when we might be ready to give up. What happened in your life that brought you to the cushion? Why are you here And most people say they came because they wanted to have some peace of mind. As we sit, there is some temporary peacefulness, of course. But what we want to come to is a condition of mind that takes us through all the circumstances of our life, no matter how difficult. 
then no matter what happens, there is this quiet, truly peaceful space within. And unless we endure some pain, some weariness, we cannot really taste this. Without our practice, may never go really deep. Please don't misunderstand. This doesn't mean we should inflict inflict anything on ourselves. Uh, we don't need to. We don't need to inflict anything on ourselves because there's plenty of pain already within the human condition, and sooner or later, it'll it'll um, be something that we experience, whether it's uh, sickness, the, the 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 pain and loss of old age. Uh, death, of course, of, of people we love, of, of ourselves, uh, losses of all kinds, uh, separation from our loved ones, um, or having to put up with people we don't like. There are n- numerous kinds of pain that we will experience sooner or later. But we also don't, don't shy away from the pain. It simply means that if pain comes, we let it come, and we let it be our teacher. Thus, even illness can be a wonderful teacher for us. Pain and joy, samsara and nirvana, are not separate. Delusion and enlightenment are not separate. Even the words separate or together are not separate. There was a Zen master named Jizo who decided to live alone on a little farm. There he continued his practice, sitting as much as he wanted to, working as much as he wanted to. He lived in a tiny hut, sat and worked. One day, four travelling monks stopped for a visit. They didn't know who was living there, but they thought they would investigate. Jizo asked them in and gave them whatever hospitality he could. He apologized that his hut was too small to hold them all, but he built a nice fire outdoors so that they could sit around it and be comfortable, eat and relax. When they were finished with their meal and had rested a while, he inquired, It appears that you are Zen monks. In your practice, do you consider yourself and this field, this stone, this hut, separate or non-separate? The monks didn't realize that they were talking to a master. They thought that this was some old farmer sitting there in his hut. One of them, named Shuzan, answered impatiently, They're separate. Everybody knows that. Jizo held up two fingers and quietly said, I have read a little bit about Buddhism, and according to my understanding, the Buddha's teaching is that self and others are not separate. Shuzan hurriedly said, Oh yes, of course, there's no separation. Of course everybody knows that between oneself and one's surroundings, there is no separation. Quite right, quite right. And again Jizo held up two fingers. And so one part of your mind is saying there is differentiation and the other part is saying that there is oneness. What about this? Shuzan laughed nervously and said to his friends, let's get out of here. He did not think that this ordinary old farmer had anything to teach him.
we often miss a great opportunity. So many things are teaching us all the time. The words printed on the label of a tea bag can teach us. But too often we think, I want a famous, wonderful, illustrious teacher to give some great lineage, from some great lineage to teach me. I must find such a person. These monks, these four monks, set off to um, train in, in southern China, where Buddhism was, was popular and strong at that time. But on the journey, Shuzan couldn't stop thinking about the question that Jizo had proposed to him. He felt a little guilty, and he kept on dismissing his thoughts about it. Uh, but they would re- the question would ret- return. Are things really separate, or are they one? What is this split in my mind? What kind of Zen student am I? As he pondered these questions, he began to practice very sincerely. There was a lot going on around him, but he continued to practice in his own way, just as each of us must do. We are always surrounded by many activities, many books, There are always interesting lectures to go to, but fundamentally, at bottom, we must find out for ourselves. This book was written in the pre-internet age, and if there were always books and lectures at the time this was written, just add in here now the the number of blogs and podcasts we can uh, access, the whole whole world of... of, uh, teachings online, endless, endless supply. But they'll only take us just so far. In the end, we have to find out for ourselves. We have to do the work. Then one day, Shuzan returned to this old farmer who was no longer in his overalls, but had instead switched to wearing his robes. This time, Jizo asked Shuzan, where have you come from? In so many Zen stories, this question is asked. What is the real question being posed? Where have you come from? What was your face before your parents were born? Who are you? Where are you going? Why are you here? What is your aspiration? What is your deepest longing? As most of us would do, Shuzan gave a literal answer. I have come from the south. Jizo asked, how is the Buddha Dharma in the south? Shuzan told him about all the many discussions and the popularity of Mondo, Zen question and answer dialogues in the south the flourishing life there. Jizo was unimpressed. Is that so? It doesn't seem as good as what we are doing here. What do you do here? Shuzan inquired. We cut down trees and cultivate the fields. What do we do in our zazen? We cut down the forest of our delusions and cultivate the fields of our true nature. Sitting quietly, we are cutting off, digging, cultivating the Buddha fields. 
This Buddha Dharma is deeply rooted in our ordinary, everyday activities. Lofty discussions miss the mark. In this practice, we engage in our life work completely and fully, reaching our essential being and then expressing it wherever we are. We can never come to a standstill on this path. We are always moving on, letting ourselves be moved on by the Buddha Dharma. Engage in our life work completely and fully. This certainly uh, is completely applicable in our session to, in the work period, engage fully with whatever we're doing, whatever our task is, just quietly doing it with a with our whole being, not not uh, doing it impatiently, so that we can get back to the real work. So how is the Buddha Dharma here in the Sendo today? What is our practice right here, right now? It is always different. It is living, moving, changing, always open, no static condition, simple and straightforward, naturally harmonious. And, and it is a feeling of deep friendliness, This is, this is an important aspect of, of uh, uh, monitoring what we're doing. We come into this practice with this friendliness, this metta, loving-kindness. Just to um, relate to the practice with this spirit. Whatever habits we have in terms of how we relate to uh, the other uh, will manifest in our relationship with the practice, the breath or the koan, shikantaza. All the ways that we manoeuvre and... and, um, struggle with relationships, this will also come forth in our relationship to the practice. That's why it's so valuable to to come to grips with these things that, that get in between us and real intimacy. This is the Buddha Dharma today in this room, a deep, wonderful connection with one another. We don't need to say a word, but we feel it. We do not need to smile at one another. We feel one, one another's bodies smiling to each other. But to smile at the Buddha in, each, in, in us, in, in each other, is not a bad idea. When you are sitting, every so often smile at the Buddha in us. 
We do not need to be grim. This is a joyful practice. Coming through pain, coming through weariness, we experience wonderful joy. In Sishin, we don't um, engage in social niceties of, of making eye contact or smiling at each other or saying thank you because the whole structure, the whole atmosphere is, is one of, of gratitude, of um, appreciation for each other's efforts. But Maureen Stewart's suggestion that we smile at the Buddha occasionally um, may be very helpful. Um, there's a lot of research being done about the relationship between uh, smiling and, and, uh, and mood. And uh, we, can, we can do quite a lot of time, spend quite a lot of time frowning, puzzling. To smile at the Buddha in us to smile at our, our true nature that can't be taken away from us. One with Buddha, one with Dharma, one with Sangha. These simple, quiet activities just sitting, just walking, just eating, just cleaning, are helping us to find a vital way of living, a way to face things fearlessly, directly, from our essential being. Today we are looking at everything as if for the first time. We take no fixed positions. We let our opinions fall away. There is no inner voice insisting this is the way I have to do it. We are willing to find a new way to do it, a new way to look at it, a new way to open up. This is beginner's mind. We are giving ourselves entirely to each moment, just as we are, rooted on our cushions, rooted in the earth. Sitting on our cushions by our own effort, we feel the wonderful support and encouragement of all others present. What an extraordinary practice we have together, self and other not separate. In breath, out breath, receiving, giving, just this. We'll stop here and recite the four vows. <laughs> <laughs>